How many people do you know who struggle with their health? Chances are, whether they show it or not, most of the people in your life do. And chances are, you're one of them. Whether you're dealing with anxiety, depression, endometriosis, acne, eczema, autoimmune, thyroid, Lyme, brain fog, fatigue, or any other symptom or condition, you're far from alone. Living with symptoms has become the new normal. So no more guessing games. It's time to get answers. Welcome to the Medical Medium Podcast. I'm Anthony William. Body swelling fluid retention, edema, lymphedema, plague a lot of people, whether they know it or not. People swell, but why? That's the magic question. There are reasons, real causes. In this episode, we're gonna explore them all. We're gonna clear the mind of confusion around this chronic condition so many struggle with. The only requirement is, can you handle the truth? Yeah, no, I gotta hang up. Yeah, I'm at a bar, I'm meeting an old friend. I gotta talk to the hostess. All right, I'll, I'll catch you later. Yeah, hi. Hi, is, I'm here to see an old friend, I haven't seen him in 20 years. Yeah, Barry, did he, did he come here? Because I can't see him, he's not here. He is? Where is he? That's him? That's Barry? Oh my God. All right, yeah, I'll, I'll go up to him. Hey, Barry, hi. I, uh, good to see you, man. I haven't seen you in years. Yeah, hey, thanks. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying to look my best. Hey, yeah. Uh, what happened to you? Do you have, like, a disease or something? Are you okay? Well, your head's, like, three times bigger than it was in college. And I'm just wondering, is it something that... Yeah, what? You don't think it's bigger? Oh, man. I mean, look at this old photo of us. Check this photo out, because I've been looking at it before I got here, because I want to, like, show you all our old photos. Look. Look at your head in this picture. And then your head now is three times bigger than this. It's a swollen. Don't think that happens? It does. When guys don't see each other, not everybody, there are a lot of guys, when they don't see each other for 15 years, 20 years, 25 years or more. Old college buddies. They were really good friends. Drank a lot when they were young together. Had a lot of fun. Maybe even played sports together. And they meet up later. And right when they see each other, that's a conversation that has happened a lot. Where one guy, he don't care. He'll just say it because it's a buddy of his. He'll even laugh about it and then they'll just get a drink. But he'll say... What happened to you, man? Like, what's going on? Are you seeing the right doctor? Are you watching your weight? And it doesn't even mean they're overweight. What happens is when we swell, we change as the years go on. And our heads get bigger. Even our chest can get bigger. Our frame can get bigger. But it's not supposed to get bigger, but it does. So it's not just their head gets bigger, but... Their nose gets bigger. Did you ever see that out there? Like somebody's nose, it's two times bigger than it was or three times bigger than it was or it gets really bulbous. Lots of veins on there too or just red. Did you ever see a guy where the nose 
is just protruding. It's all swollen and big, cheeks all swollen. And you also see it in people's faces and heads where it's almost like even above their eyes, their foreheads swell out. Their ears get bigger. They even get red. It's like it happens over time. As the years go by, two or three years, another two or three years, 10 years later, 15 years, and it just develops. It's like some kind of metamorphosis. You know, you might be thinking, well, yeah, sure, when someone gets overweight, everything's just going to get bigger, but I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about weight. Yes, you can have weight. You can be overweight and still have this additional problem, but this is a separate problem. You could be thin and everything just gets thick, widens out, and everything just gets big, including your head, everything, and not be overweight. Yes, you can have excess weight and this additional swelling problem of things just kind of enlarging because that's what it really is. Everything's enlarging. It's swelling, but it's not just an intermittent or acute swelling that happened at one time. It's a slow, slow development and you can't see it. You just live your life and it happens every single day. Now, there are people that see any kind of subtleties. Women see subtleties. They see if they're swelling a little bit or it goes down. But that could be bloating and fluid retention. See, people can have fluid retention for years. They expand with fluid retention. They feel like they have fluid retention. They feel the swelling. Women feel that. And then it goes down. Then it goes up. It goes down. But that's separate. That's separate then a thickening, an expansion of tissue that happens over time as the years go on. A thickening is different than lymphatic fluid buildup, where you're swelling a little bit. You go to the lymphatic massage therapist, you get some work done, you feel better for a couple of days, and then it starts all over again, and you're up and down. A little bit of swelling, fluid retention, and then it goes down. A little bit of swelling goes down. You have a little too much salt, goes up. You eat a little too much party food, goes up. Don't eat for a half a day, goes down. Go see the lymphatic massage therapist, goes down. And then it just does this thing and you play this game. This is different because you can play that game, live your life. But there's this other thing happening as the years are going on. It's this thickening of connective tissue this widening that happens, we just start expanding. And still you can have that fluid retention. Still you can go to see your massage therapist and lymphatic drainage massage can still do all that, but you're still getting wider. And it doesn't mean it's weight. It doesn't mean it's fat or anything. Like you're gaining all this weight. Of course you can have that too. You could be somebody that's gaining weight. So you're moving up on the weight and you have the fluid retention and swelling, and you're thickening, which is a different thing. And we're talking about the body widening and thickening the connective tissue and the joints and everything expanding. There are people who get their lymphatic massage for years, decades. And as years go by, they get it. They're eating pretty good. They're eating pure enough. They don't eat a lot of processed foods. A lot of times they'll go on a healthy keto diet 
or even a healthy vegetarian diet or healthy vegan diet. They care about their health. They exercise regularly. They take care of themselves. They sleep good. They try to get 10 hours of sleep every night and they're back to the massage therapist. And they're getting wider as the years go on, thicker as the years go on. You see a photograph of them when they were 25 years old and then you see them when they're 45 years old, something's changed. And it's not about aging. It has nothing to do with aging. It's just that by the time they got to 45 years old, something happened. Something happened within their body. Some kind of transformation occurs. Everything thickened up and widened. And it wasn't aging that did this. And all these years, they did their fluid retention management program. The fluid retention management program was caffeine, a diuretic, always kind of peeing out all their fluid, not staying that hydrated all those years so they didn't have that much water because they're kind of afraid of it. They're at their massage therapist, they're at their lymphatic massage therapist, and they're afraid to crank in all the water because they feel like they're just going to balloon up. So they've done all this management over the years including things like body wraps, all kinds of massages, different diets, different exercise programs, dry brushing, infrared sauna, steam saunas, steam baths, all these things. But as time goes on, it was just management as the years go by. Managing, yes, sometimes their vices, little alcohol when they want to, sometimes too salty or greasy, oily foods, but they were managing and taking care of themselves in between it all and doing that lymphatic drainage massage constantly. And as the years gone by, something still happened and it was unstoppable for some reason. They just got thick and their head enlarged. Not just their head thickened up, but their body thickened up, even their feet thickened up. But why? Well, we're going to head there in a little bit. We still got a lot more to talk about. What I notice right now is that young people, people in their 20s that are into health, are doing the lymphatic drainage. They're going to see the massage therapist, they're getting lymphatic drainage done, and they think they found the holy grail. Now, I support lymphatic drainage, I support massage therapy. I think it's one of the greatest things out there. But it's been out there. It's already been out there. It's not new. We already have decades of women using this management tool and still by the time they turn 40 it could be subtle but there is a thickening happening to the tissue connective tissue to the joints sometimes it's more noticeable as it's happening throughout the years and it's not so subtle but it could be passed off as excess weight gain so if weight is gaining, it's like, well, no, it's because I'm gaining too much weight. So then when you try to lose the weight, you obviously thin out a little bit. And so you think that must be it. But there's this other thing happening within it all, this actual tissue expansion that's occurring. But yet when you're young and you're just dealing with some bloating and you want to look your best and feel your best and you don't feel that great and you're into health it's easy to be like, oh my God, my lymphatic drainage massage, it's the greatest. I'm so happy. Let me go on social media. I'll do a post about it now and talk about it. And then it trends. And today, since swelling's becoming so big, 
so many people are swelling out there by the millions because it's becoming an actual symptom and condition that's happening to everybody that social media is blowing up about lymphatic drainage and lymphatic massage for your swelling. But no one's saying that we've had generations before all of them, before the young people that already did it, been there and done that, years of lymphatic drainage to try to manage. And as the years went by, their tissue expanded. And these same generations also did the body wraps. They did the dry brushing. They did different diet programs. They intermittent fasted. They waved back and forth, vacillated from eating to not eating. But what's the real reason we're swelling and need a lymphatic massage? What's the real reason to begin with? The lymphatic massage is not the real reason you're swelling to start with. That's just a Band-Aid until you swell again a day later or three days later or a week later. What caused the swelling allowing you to have to go get a lymphatic drainage massage? You know what's crazy is according to alternative medicine and conventional medicine science, which they teach a lot of professionals, is that the body cleanses itself. So... You don't need to cleanse or to do a cleanse or to do an actual juice or anything because your body takes care of itself. But those same people and same professionals say, oh, you better go get a massage. You better go get a lymphatic massage. So basically you become a teat on a cow where you have to be milked every other day because your body can't do it itself. But I'm confused here because they say your body cleanses itself. So why are they then telling you to go get a lymphatic drainage massage? If your body cleanses perfectly and naturally all on its own, then why do we need a manual squeeze? You lay there on a table and somebody has to push and squeeze and massage and rub anywhere they can find that feels a little bit more swollen especially anything lymphatic that they can actually access. I've always been supportive of lymphatic drainage massage and massage. And, but I've also been mindful that it's a luxury because not everybody has $100 a week or $100 every three days or two days to get it done or the time. Maybe they're busy, a lot of demands in life. They're working hard. Maybe they don't have the excess cash. Maybe it's not a resource that they have to do. But yet on social media, of course, I see a lot of people like, just had my drainage massage. It was incredible. I'm going to get it again in a couple days. I'm going to get it next week. And my massage therapist wants me there five times a month, six times a month. And I'm adding it up. And I'm like, some massage therapy, now it's like $150. Some is like $60 if you're lucky. But lymphatic drainage somewhere falls in that area where, okay, well, it's five times a month or six times a month. If you have that resource to manage things, incredible. But I'm always about getting down to the actual problem, fixing the root, the root cause of why this swelling's happening all the time. And again, we're just managing so we're not fixing the root problem. Because as each year goes by, the tissue expansion is developing and that's not being stopped by a lymphatic massage. And that's not being stopped by a regular massage. That's helping with managing fluid retention, but it's not stopping that thickening that happens with everybody as they're getting older 
each year goes by and each decade goes by and everything just starts to expand and get bigger. I posted a video about edema and swelling and it's pretty interesting. I would love to read you some of the comments. I thought the head getting larger was part of middle age. It's so unattractive. A person responds, I know someone who started having this problem in their early 30s. Age is not a factor in some cases. Here's another. I feel swollen all the time. Can't figure it out. Eating healthy, but healthy foods causing me to feel bloated. I feel better when I don't eat at all. Someone responds, me too. I feel like our food has been poisoned from all angles. Thread continues on. I started doing lymphatic drainage massages and they have helped me so much. I'm way less swollen. Another person, try vibration plate after. Another person, same goes with me. Feels like I'd rather not eat so I won't feel that way. Another person says, this is me too. When I don't eat, I feel so much better. Another person says, me too. I feel best fasted. Me too, another person. Another person, I was eating clean keto, but still didn't lose weight like carnivore until I stopped eating the vegetables too. Another person said, I'm currently in a winning path. Someone else, me too. I feel like a puffy marshmallow. I'm still getting over breast implant illness. Somebody else, try fasting for 48 hours. Did wonders for me when I swelled. It's like a hard reset on computer. Lost 14 quick pounds because fluids were sponged to my body. The next response, I've gone a day without eating and I did see a difference in the swelling, but no energy to do anything with a sad face. Another person, try cutting out vegetables, only eat fruit with seeds and grass-fed meat with heaps of fat. Another person, I do eat grass-fed meats and grass-fed butter and olive oil, ghee, but lots of veggies, not much fruits. I'll try cutting the veggies out. Thank you, with a heart. Another person, from experience, veggies bloat you and give you gas and make you feel funny. Cut it out. Papaya, pineapple, coconut water. Eat one large meal at night. A new guy says, stop eating all carbs and the swelling will go down. So other person said, oh my God, I thought I was alone. Another person, nope, you're not alone. It sucks and it's getting worse as I get older. And then, same but I went carnivore and lost 55 pounds in four months, no exercise. I also take NAC supplements for liver and nitrous oxide for blood flow. Someone responds, bentonite clay for calcium form, Googled it, give it a go, removes toxins from your body. This other person, bentonite clay is not recommended, it ruins the intestinal tract. Somebody else, awesome info, thank you. I'm learning how to live with Crohn's and a naturopath told me to try it. Goes to show, there's bad so-called good shit. This other person chimes in, intermittent fasting and minimum eating of carbs and sugar and more protein stop my swelling and inflammation. And this other person, most days I fast 23 hours and I eat one meal a day. It's not always easy to do every day and every day is a new day. And then, oh my God, those are all my symptoms. It's horrible with a sad face. But yes, this is very true. Thank you for explaining this in more detail. Another person, exercise daily to combat this running helps. And then Barbie says, running genuinely does help, even if it's 10 minutes a day. And then, I've always had this problem like I was full of air. It's inflammation, eating processed foods, fast food, soda, etc. It's all poison. Someone else, 
I feel swollen all the time and I eat very little. Someone said, me too. Another, I can relate with this. Don't have migraines, but my face is rounder since five years ago, but I'm the same weight. Another person, key equals intermittent fasting. This other person, thank you for the validation. Doctors just look at you like you're crazy when you tell them you feel swollen. And somebody else, yes, that's me right now. Another person, yes, I need help from this. And somebody else, so what can we do for this? And then somebody says, is this a new phenomenon? Is it something that has also been prevalent in the past generations? New person says, this is my daughter. Another person, and here I was thinking it was menopause. Somebody else, my legs swell in the summer. So what can we conclude from these comments? To begin with, everybody's swelling or has some type of fluid retention problem and they're struggling. But what was their solutions? Like all their wise information to help others. One was just don't eat. That's one, like go 23 hours without eating. Well, I don't know if that's gonna work for people who gotta work a job or if they have a demanding schedule. Um, let's see, what was another one? Okay, eat lots of grass-fed beef and ghee and olive oil. Oh, that's a stomach ache I'm already feeling when I think about that because they were like, don't eat any vegetables. Okay, so so if I was <laughs> needing help and I went on that thread, and I was like, well, I need to find some help in here. Okay, so don't eat any vegetables, but eat a lot of ghee? A lot of people just stopped eating. Is that the best way to go? Just stop eating? It's not sustainable, really, because it's a roller coaster ride. As some of them stated, they just had no energy and it was really hard to do. And intermittent fasting may not be the best route. There's a lot of drawbacks and it's not easy to do. Check out my podcast episode on intermittent fasting. It's almost two hours and it's highly informative. Now, when somebody's swelling and they say they're swelling, is it the same swelling that someone else is going through? Is it the same swelling somebody else has? Or if somebody's bloating and they feel kind of swollen, is it the same bloating and swelling as someone else? Or when someone says their hands are swollen, like their fingers are swollen and their joints feel a little bit swollen, is that the same as somebody else's bloating? Or is it all the same or is it really different? Well, there isn't a one size fits all here. Everybody does have different nuances subtleties, different reasons for bloating, different types of swelling. Some people bloat in their digestive tract and they feel like they're swelling, but it's different than someone else who's not bloating in their digestive tract, but yet they're swelling underneath their skin. And then there's someone who has all of it. They're bloated and they're swelling and then there's someone who has a weight gain issue where they're gaining weight, so they're gaining excess fat, and they're swelling with retention, fluid retention, and they can have digestive bloating plus tissue expansion, and if they're a woman, they can have their period. If they're a man, they're not going to have their period, so that part of the swelling may not be in the mix. And some women swell a lot more during their period and some women swell a lot less. There's endless combinations of swelling too and fluid retention. 
a hundred people can have swollen hands and a hundred people can have a hundred different reasons why they're swollen in the hands because everything changes. One person ate this, the other person ate this. One person has this problem inside their body and the other person has this problem inside their body. Their swelling may look almost the same, but it's not the same. Even if it looked the same, it's not the same. One person can have endometriosis and it's contributing, adding into all their swelling in a different way. Another person can have IBS, intestinal tract issues. They're on the toilet a lot. They're aggravated. Their intestinal tract's inflamed. They have diarrhea. Another person has fatty liver. Liver's all congested, stagnant, sluggish, overworked, overburdened. Another person could have gout. Somebody else could have an entirely different issue around all of this. They could have a really bad chemical sensitivity. It's never going to be the same, the exact measurements, the exact type of fluid or amount of fluid or amount of tissue expansion or the amount of gas inside the intestinal tract either or how the intestinal tract is built and how it moves and the peristaltic action. Combination of bloating with the digestive system, swelling with the liver and lymphatic system, and the reproductive system, and then the amounts and the locations, the locations of the fluid, locations of the swelling are going to be different for everybody. So why is everybody swelling? How come everybody's swelling? Everybody's got some type of fluid retention or some type of layer on them or swelling. So let's go into the different causes. We're talking about mystery swelling, mystery fluid retention, we're not talking about if someone has a clear-cut case where their heart is having a problem or kidney failure and they're swelling because of kidneys and heart. A big part stems from the liver. That's the place where a lot of calamity occurs. Our livers get toxic as the years go on. See, your liver is a filter, like a fish filter in a fish tank that's filtering the water. Your liver is filtering your blood. It's filtering everything. Before the lymphatic system even gets its chance, your liver's doing it first. Your lymphatic system was never designed to handle what the world throws at us. We're talking about pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, the air freshener chemicals, the fragrances, the colognes, perfumes, all the different petrochemicals and the toxins that fall out of the sky all the different pharmaceuticals, all the carpet cleaning solvents and chemicals that come out of carpets, all the secondhand smoke, all the vaping, all the psychedelics in the brain, all the different recreational drugs, and all the chemicals that are used on them when they're growing, nanotechnology falling out of the sky now, nanotechnology in the pharmaceuticals, hair products, chemicals in those, body products, makeup, and then tattoos the ink itself, all the toxic heavy metals. I know people say, well, that wasn't my tattoo ink, but all ink has toxic heavy metals, even the vegan ink or the cruelty-free ink. But either way, all of this wasn't for the lymphatic system, but it became the lymphatic system's problem, but it was never supposed to be. Our lymphatic system was not our main filter. It was just there for our normal bodily problems and functions. Our liver is supposed to take the hit. It's the fall guy. It's supposed to take on the toxins first that are in this world. See, 
we're not supposed to naturally be up against the toxins we're up against, but the industries create them and then we get exposed to them. And our liver, it's the first line of defense. That's the big filter. All this blood is rushing through the liver. It's that big, massive filter. It's grabbing onto toxins, poisons, pathogens, toxic heavy metals, chemicals, and it's collecting them to keep the blood clean enough to protect the heart. Your lymphatic system is critical. Its job is to clean and purify to get the bodily waste, some of the bodily waste out of the bloodstream. And if some of that bodily waste is a pathogen, a bacteria, a microbe, a virus, then the lymphatic's job is to suck it up and have your lymphocytes try to kill it. Your lymphatic system is dependent on the liver to do the big cleanup. Because if the liver doesn't do the big cleanup, including pathogens and all the industrial toxins and exposures, if the liver doesn't do that well, lymphatic system pays the price. The liver gets so overloaded and so bogged down, so filled with toxins and poisons, it starts to get sluggish, stagnant. Fats even get balled up inside the liver. The liver starts to slow down and slow down. It can't produce its bile reserves. It can't function as good as it needs to be. And then the immune system inside the liver starts to weaken. And the lymphatic system relies on the liver's immune system to handle the big pathogens, the pathogenic infections, the Epstein-Barrs, the shingles viruses, the HHV-6s, the herpes simplexes. It's there to handle those pathogens so that the lymphatic system lymphocytes don't have to take on the whole storm. But it all goes wrong. What starts to happen is the liver starts to break down. It can't handle it itself because it's so overburdened, so stagnant and sluggish. It's not even just the chemicals and the pathogens. It's also the way we eat. It's also the things we use, like the caffeine and all the vinegars. The liver's already up against so much, but we bombard it. And then throw the alcohol in the mix. We're drinking and the liver has to suck up the alcohol. It becomes a problem over time where your liver, the filter, weakens, starts to break down. Yeah, it might look good at the doctor's office. They might not see anything wrong with your liver yet, but they don't see everything. Anybody who's been sick long enough knows that they don't see everything. So the liver starts to not work properly, and then the lymphatic system has to work harder. But here's the thing, it's not equipped to work harder, and that's why everybody's swelling. And that leads us to tissue expansion. Tissue expansion is not lymphatic system expansion. Tissue expansion is all the poisons and toxins that got out of the liver and the lymphatic system couldn't process or handle them or clean them. Those toxins and poisons and chemicals went into deep connective tissue and deep into the organs, deep into the brain, deep into the spleen, deep into the intestinal tract lining, deep into the skin. These tissues got saturated, overloaded with multitudes of toxins and poisons and pathogenic waste year after year after year. 
decade after decade, even in the bones, and then everything started to widen out. Tissue started to expand. Joints started to expand. This is beyond just fluid retention. This is beyond just lymphatic fluid. This is toxins and poisons and pathogenic waste that found its way into the guts of the person. And I don't mean intestinal tract, I mean into the core of their essence, into their bones and connective tissue and tendons, right into their joints and organs. And it expands because cells expand, because cells themselves that are made in the nerves and the connective tissue and the joints, they can't hold all the poisons and toxins. So they inflame and swell. And then there's the dead cells. All the cells that have died, they didn't get flushed out. They didn't cleanse out. Lymphatic system didn't cleanse them out. Liver didn't cleanse them out. All the dead cells that gathered around the joints, tendons, the connective tissue, in and around the organs, create a swelling all on their own. So an expansion happens with our organs and tissue and bones because we have all this dead tissue intertwined in all of it that never escaped, while surrounded by living cells that are also filled with toxins and poisons, and they're at their limit. And as everything's swelling, we need more blood. So vessels develop. Varicose veins are a prime example of excess veins that are actually growing to feed areas that were expanding because of a lot of toxins and poisons, either from pathogens, chemical exposure, or even weight gain, or even scar tissue or injuries. That expansion called for more veins to be produced. But see, this expansion is subtle all through the body as well, where you don't need a varicose vein, but these tiny blood vessels are created all around expanding tissue. So a thickening happens. If the liver doesn't get what it needs, detoxification, cleansing, the care it really needs to carry us through life, it enlarges, gets stagnant, sluggish, gets filled with too much poison and toxin. And then those poisons and toxins fill every organ. They fill the brain. They fill the heart. A heart can enlarge as the years go on because it gets so toxic, because of the liver being a weakened filter. Expansion of tissue can happen in an obvious way too, not just internally where you can't see it or can't see the blood vessels internally. It can happen externally in a way, like when someone's nose gets bulbous and big. There's lots of more new blood vessels in the nose that have grown. So the nose got large because it has more blood vessels and more tissue. This expansion is obvious when it comes down to a nose but it's not obvious when it's inside all of our other connective tissue and everywhere else in our organs. We can't notice it. We just notice the person is expanding over the years. So you take a look at a picture when they were in college, when they were 20 years old, and then you take a look at them when they're 50 and you see the difference. When the liver's all filled up, there's no room anymore in it to hold all those toxins. So those toxins end up leaving the liver, escaping or going straight through the filter, straight through the liver in the bloodstream. And then the lymphatic system gets way overburdened. 
It can't handle that toxic load. So the toxins have nowhere to go there either. But the lymphatic system still draws the toxins in. Problem is, the toxins stay in the lymphatic system. They have nowhere else to go. And then you need more fluid in the lymphatic system to dilute the toxins. So then the lymphatic system keeps on receiving more fluid, drawing more fluid in to try to dilute the toxins that are inside the lymphatic system. So a trap occurs, a catch-22 in the lymphatic system. Lymphatic system needs to try to filter, but it can't. It's too overloaded. So the vicious cycle keeps on carrying on and carrying on. And as that's happening, more fluid is building up, accumulating in the lymphatic system with more toxins. What's interesting, though, is this can happen with the entire lymphatic system, the entire lymphatic system within the body. So you can't see it's more fluid-based in one area versus more fluid retention-based in another area. It's the whole body is retaining fluid because the lymphatic system is overburdened within the entire body. This can be hard to see on a person. One person can have a very thin layer of this. What that means is their whole lymphatic system is slightly swollen. So they're retaining fluid, they're retaining water, but you can't quite see it. The person may be able to feel it though. And then there's the person that can see it. They can look in the mirror in the morning, they can see when it's gone, and they can look in the mirror at the end of the day, and they can see when it appears because it can build up all day long. At night, their liver's trying to detox, trying to cleanse, trying to push whatever it can out. By morning, everything is down a bit. This is why people who are more swollen at the end of the day deswell in the morning and the cycle goes on every single day. This person, though, has different times and moments in their life where all of a sudden they're like, whoa, they're in front of the mirror and they're like, everything's down. I'm looking good. I'm wearing the pants I want to wear. I'm wearing the shirt I want to wear. I like this look. And then a week later, they got the layer building up again. The fluid retention is building in their system. Their whole body is getting that extra fluid retention. They put their pants on, they put their shirt on, and now they're like, oh, I don't like this. And then it looks like they're gain gaining weight. They're getting fat. When really, they're not gaining weight. They're not gaining extra fat. They're gaining extra fluid. And that extra fluid is just pushing everything outward. And this is where a lot of confusion lies. You think you're getting heavier and heavier, but you're not gaining lots of fat. You're gaining lots of fluid. There's people who, yes, are overweight. They do have 10 pounds of extra fat on their body or 20 pounds of extra fat on their body, but yet they're 50 pounds overweight. They have 20 to 30 pounds of fluid retention. And that's where a lot of confusion lies. That's why when someone says, I intermittent fasted, I didn't eat for 23 hours, or I didn't eat for 48 hours and I lost 27 pounds, what happens is they didn't lose 27 pounds of fat. They lost 27 pounds of fluid. But here's the problem. You have to eat. It's the only way to sustain, be functional, have your brain working. You can't always be on no food. So then when you start eating again, living your life, the fluid builds all back up again and you're back to square one. There's so many different variations. Somebody may be only up about three or four pounds of fat on their body. 
with 10 pounds of fluid. Somebody else might have five pounds of fat on their body, 12 pounds of fluid. Someone may have five pounds of fat on their body and five pounds of fluid. And someone else might have 75 pounds of fat with an additional 40 pounds of fluid. There are endless combinations. No two are alike. Everybody's different. There are so many variables within everyone. They're not exact. They can be off the mark on ounces. They can be different in pounds. But none of them are the same. But that's not the only differences. There's differences everywhere. For example, what's causing the person's lymphatic swelling? What's causing their fluid retention is different than somebody else with their fluid retention. For example, somebody could have Epstein-Barr inside the liver, and that Epstein-Barr virus could be feeding off of mercury inside the liver, then releasing a mercury-based neurotoxin into the bloodstream because the liver is so overburdened. It can't contain it all. When that neurotoxin starts floating around in the bloodstream, it finds its way into the lymphatic system. So the lymphatic system draws it in. But our lymphatic system isn't used to such an unnatural toxin and poison. So it sits in the lymphatic system and then requires more fluid to build up into the lymphatic system in order to control that toxin. How does the lymphatic system control the toxin? The immune cells have to eat up the toxin. And that's where your immune system gets overburdened inside the lymphatic system. You got an army of lymphocytes inside your lymphatic system. They're there to clean up the mess, but they can die, they can expire, especially if the toxins and poisons are very strong. The more toxins that enter the lymphatic system, then more fluid has to be in the lymphatic system. Your lymphocytes can't be in a small amount of fluid while up against a large amount of toxins. And as the larger amount of toxins build up inside your lymphatic system, you need more lymphocytes. But more lymphocytes can't do their job cleaning up the toxins if there's very little fluid because the toxins are now turning the fluid into a toxic sludge. So then a requirement occurs, need more fluid. More fluid goes into the lymphatic system to give your lymphocytes and immune cells a chance so they could swim around the toxins and gather them up. This is why when somebody gets a lymphatic massage at this point, it pushes the fluid out and a large amount of toxins escape into the bloodstream and that person, if they're chronically ill and they're dealing with any kind of condition or autoimmune, tend to get sicker after lymphatic massage. If someone isn't that sick and they don't have a lot of fluid buildup inside their lymphatic system and they get a lymphatic massage, they may not feel it so much. It may feel more of a relief. So they had that drainage occur and they're happy. But someone else could be really sick and have a lot more fluid. Now here's the difference too. Someone's lymphatic fluid could be a lot more toxic than someone else's lymphatic fluid. Someone might have a different toxin and a different poison in their fluid. Somebody else might have less of a toxin, less of a pathogen-based toxin, not as toxic. So when the, the fluid escapes into the bloodstream, the person doesn't get so sick. But the person can get sick if it's really toxic and it escapes into the bloodstream. But here's the next problem. We just think that this fluid magically leaves us after we pushed it out of our lymphatic system. 
So if someone had a lot of toxic fluid in their lymphatic system and they had a lymphatic massage, they think, oh, good, we'll just pee it out and all's well. It doesn't always work that way. A lot of the toxins end up back into the liver. A stagnant, sluggish, toxic liver, a dysfunctional liver, the toxins go right back up into it. But since the liver can't hold on to any more toxins, because it's stagnant and sluggish, it sends it back out. Now it's recycling. It ends up back into the lymphatic system. Three days later, the person's blown up again. Five days later, the person's blown up again. A week later, they're blown up again because it just recycled. You pushed it out, it went through the liver, then it went back up into the bloodstream, back into the lymphatic system. It's a vicious cycle. It keeps on circulating. And then the person's like, whoa, I'm back in here again. I have to live here at my massage therapist because each day it builds back up. Sometimes it takes a day, sometimes it's three days, Sometimes it's five days. Our lymphatic systems are one of the most important body systems we have. So everybody's focused on the lymphatic system while missing the liver. What they're doing is they're overlooking the core of the problem, the place where it all starts. If we don't fix the liver, we can't fix the lymphatic system. But the liver is no fun to work with. It's like, okay, I have a liver, the liver's stagnant, what do I do? What do I take? What do I eat? Lymphatic system massage, that's actually fun. Well, it's fun for a lot of people. That's what I hear every day. Well, I'm just going to go and get serviced. I'm going to head there, relax. Ah, I'm on the table. Ooh, I'm thinking about nothing but mantras, thinking about my affirmations. My massage therapist is amazing. Such a great person. I'm relaxing. Ah, this feels so good. Ooh, I'm stagnant here. Okay, that feels good. Ooh, yeah, I'm a little sore here. Ah, oh, that's nice getting this fluid out of me. It's so great. The liver, no fun. It's like, what? I can't have a martini? What? I can't ever drink? What? I can't have a greasy, fatty meal? What? I have to worry about what I eat? I have to worry about what I take? The liver, that's the problem? No, let me just go to my massage therapist. I'll get my lymphatic massage. She or he can do all the work. Let them do the work. That's their job. I want them to service me. But me? What? 32 ounces of celery juice? I don't know if I want to do that today. Huh? Spirulina? No, not going to do that. Huh? Heavy metal detox smoothie? Uh, maybe not. I have an appointment at my lymphatic massage therapist. I think what I'll do is just lay on the table, think about waves on the beach, think about that vacation I took years ago, Think about things that make me happy and get my massage. Massages are very healing. Old, old staple going back thousands of years when the first human being put their hand on the other human being. There was a feeling it had. Touch is critical for a lot of people. Massage is healing in so many ways. I've said this forever. And you get instant gratification instant results. And a lot of people like that, like the swelling goes down for a lot of people really quick and it feels so good. Ooh, my body feels so good after that massage. It's like instant gratification. You can even see results right away. I always recommend my family and friends, people I love, get a massage. It's very healing, very powerful. And if you get a really good massage therapist, incredible.
really helpful. One that cares has compassion even better. If you're somebody that's really sick, has a lot of fluid retention, you're living with a lot of that fluid retention, it's really hard, and you have to get lymphatic massage a lot, I recommend trying to fix the core issue. Get down to the liver, start to do healing tools. Clean the liver up so that you don't have to get lymphatic massage every day or other day or three times a week. So you don't have to constantly force the fluid out, fix the liver, clean the pathogens out and the toxins out, kill the pathogens, help support your lymphocytes and the rest of your immune system, and eventually take yourself out of that vicious cycle. And then there's people with severe lymphedema where there's swelling in their leg, their whole leg swollen, there's swelling in their arm, swelling in their breast, swelling in their feet, their calves, where it's severe and they have to use compression stockings and they're suffering from lymphedema because they had an injury or they had a surgery or they had breast cancer, something else happened or an obstruction is going on and they're dealing with some severe lymphedema in a certain section in their body. And even then it's critical to fix the liver, rebuild our immune system. Our immune system is not just our lymphocytes and our lymphatic system. So if somebody has a damaged lymphatic system from an injury, breast cancer or a surgery, then that's okay because our immune system is in other places too. We have an immune system in our bloodstream. That's where a large amount of our immune system is. We have an immune system in our liver. We have an immune system in other organs. So this immune system needs to get coddled. It needs to be cared for. It needs to be recovered. And that's a powerhouse for us. So not only do we fix and heal the liver, but we also heal the liver's immune system and our immune system throughout our body. Lymphatic problems aren't genetic. Now, I know there's misinformation out there, the gene blame game that's out there, where anything anybody has, they'll just be like, whoa, it's your genes. It's your genes that's doing it. You got bad genes, faulty genes. Lymphedema is from your gene problem. Genetic, man. And that's what people are told all the time. It's not genetic. There's real true causes. It could seem genetic if our parents or our ancestors had it, or somebody in our family has it, and we're like, whoa, it is genetic. But no, we still have the same Epstein-Barr virus passed down from our family. Pathogens are passed down from our family line. It's not genetics. It's bugs passed down. Toxins passed down too. Toxic heavy metals passed down from generation to generation to generation. Or the new generation of people got a new exposure altogether. So the whole family, the whole family line in that generation got that recent exposure. If someone's not that toxic, they're just slightly toxic. They don't have a lot of neurotoxins and dermatoxins. They don't have a lot of pathogens and pathogen waste. They haven't been exposed to a lot of different chemicals. If that happens, their lymphatic fluid will be clear. It'll be a clear fluid. Now, if someone's really toxic and they've been exposed to a lot of pathogens, a lot of bugs, they're fighting a lot of low-grade infections, they've gotten a lot of diagnoses like autoimmune, then that fluid isn't clear. Science research says it's clear, but it's not. It's got a yellow tinge to it. Sometimes it could be very yellow. Sometimes it could be pus-like colored because if it gets too dirty and the lymphatic fluid is too gunked up, 
it will be pussy. And if the fluid gets too pussy, then what happens, more fluid has to go into the lymphatic system to dilute all the toxins and poisons. And then that person's lymphatic system is now blown up larger. So now someone is retaining more fluid lymphatic-wise. They're swelling more and they're more uncomfortable. And this leads to something that a lot of people go through all the time, which is hot weather sensitivities to when it gets hot outside or really humid outside. So summertime comes around, it's really hot out, really humid, and the person's really uncomfortable. They're sitting outside and they can't stand it any longer because it feels like the swelling is enlarging or they feel like they're swelling more than someone else. And then somebody else that doesn't have that fluid retention is fine in the heat and they look okay, they look like they're dealing with it, they look happy, they're doing something, maybe an activity, and then somebody else, they're actually suffering. It's like, I can't handle the heat or the humidity, I have to stay inside, it's just hard on my body. I feel just like so bloated or swollen. What determines the difference between someone with fluid retention not handling the humidity and heat versus somebody else with fluid retention handling the humidity and heat is the toxic nature of the lymphatic fluid. So if it has that yellow tinge to it, if it's dirty fluid, if it has a lot of toxins and poisons and the color of the fluid isn't clear inside the lymphatic system, then they're gonna struggle more because when you're in the heat and humidity and the sun and you're highly toxic and the fluid retention is highly toxic, the body reacts differently. It weighs you down makes you feel more swollen, makes you feel more uncomfortable. Toxins in the lymphatic fluid react to body heat. So if you're somebody and you're out in the sun, you're hanging out, it's really a hot day, it's 90 degrees, it's humid outside, and your body temperature starts to raise, your core temperature starts to raise. If your lymphatic vessels are filled with toxic yellow pussy fluid, then as the core temperature raises in your body and it's hot outside, the toxins and poisons create additional heat and then more expansion occurs from the heat because it's not just the fluid that's heating up, it's the toxins inside the fluid that are heating up and those toxins start to expand. And if someone is that toxic, they usually have toxins everywhere else floating around. They have toxins floating around in their bloodstream and in other organs. So when the heat happens outside, the humidity goes up, they feel not good. And then when they go inside the house and they're in air conditioning, they're not feeling great that day because they're so toxic, the heat expanded a lot of the toxins throughout the bloodstream and the organs. And then they feel unwell and they feel like they got sun sickness, but they weren't outside in the sun for a long time. But yet, they feel sick after being in the sun. That means that if they were to go somewhere to a beach or sit outside for a long period of time in heat and sun, there's a good chance they are going to feel very sick a day later or that same day or the end of the day because they're so toxic. And they have not only toxins in their lymphatic fluid, and they have the fluid retention, but they have toxins floating everywhere else inside the body. If you're curious of what kind of toxins these are, it could be neurotoxins, 
from low-grade viral infections, dermatoxins from low-grade viral infections, toxins from all kinds of different bacteria and viruses, along with toxic heavy metals, other chemical toxins, all floating around. So now let's talk about when people say, I feel best when I don't eat. Hey, I stopped eating. I don't eat for 21 hours, and then I have a meal. I try not to eat for two days. It's kind of hard, but I do it anyway. Hey, I only eat meat. I eat beef all day, and then I top it off with some ghee. I won't eat a vegetable. Hey, I feel better ever since I quit sugar. Well, they didn't quit sugar. They quit everything, <laughs> not just sugar. I feel better when I quit sugar. Um, hey, I feel better just drinking a little bit of water and then eating like every other day. All right, so let's explore these. When someone says, I feel better now that I quit sugar. Now, when they say that, you think, wait a minute, what were they eating? Well, they weren't eating sugar, you know, like a box of sugar or a bag of sugar in the grocery store where it's processed sugar and you're just doing tablespoons or sugar cubes, right? When you're a kid and you have a sugar cube, it wasn't like they were eating a whole bunch of sugar cubes all day long. What they're talking about is processed foods like cookies, cakes, donuts, treats, ice cream, coffees with lots of sugar put in and cream, or iced coffees with lots of sugar and cream, baked goods, uh, croissants with powdered sugar on top, candy bars, like really bad candy bars, and then those health food store candy bars that are supposedly good candy bars that have all that sugar in it too. Either way, candy bars. And then maybe like candies, but like gummy bears with gelatin in it, and all kinds of, yes, a little bit of sugar, but natural flavors, gelatin, other additives, preservatives. And when you think about it, is a candy bar all sugar? Is a croissant all sugar? Is a cookie all sugar? Is a cake, donut, or ice cream all sugar? No, it's not. There's sugar in there, but there's also all this fat or additives or flavorings. There's all this other junk or some type of grain that's not a good grain. But yet, when the person stopped eating all of these, they say, I feel better when I'm not eating sugar. Um, you weren't eating sugar. Yeah, you kind of were eating a little sugar that was in the mix. No, you were eating milk proteins, dairy. You were eating all this other grain, like bad grain. You were eating gluten. You were having lots of fat. You were eating butter. You were eating lard. You were eating vegetable oil. You were eating all these other things, MSG, additives, red dye number one. You were eating all of that. And when you quit all those processed foods, those cakes, cookies, donuts, and all of that, you started feeling better. But what you tell everybody else is, I quit sugar, and that made me feel better. So then somebody else hears that, and they'll go, oh, I better quit fruit because fruit has sugar in it. So that person said, they quit sugar and they're feeling better. I better stop eating my apples. Meanwhile, there's all these health professionals that say that out there. Oh, quit sugar, look out for sugar. And they just add to it and they spread a bad message and then everybody's confused. So what about when the person says, I only eat meat, try that. That's the best way to do it. Grass-fed beef only and then I give myself a treat and I have some ghee. And then they say they're doing so much better. Well... They're mono-eating. What happened was they were originally confused about what they were eating before all these years because they were eating cakes, cookies, donuts growing up. They were eating cheeseburgers because they liked their meat, 
but they were eating the whole cheeseburger, so they got rid of the bun. So now they're grain-free, so now they're moving out all these other things. They hear dairy's bad from someone, so they get rid of the dairy. But a lot of people who just eat meat do eat dairy too, but if you get somebody that mono-eats only meat, they're doing the elimination deal where they're eliminating all these other foods. Now, when they eliminate those other foods, they're eliminating things that may have aggravated them and they didn't know. They were eliminating some packaged food that has MSG in it, but they didn't know the MSG was causing the problem. Or they're eliminating gluten, right? Dairy products, they're eliminating grains, but some of those grains were actually okay, but they never tried it where they only did millet only. So they decided to stay with the fat, which is the meat. They were on a high-fat diet all these years anyway, and in the end, when they decided to mono-eat to try to do the food elimination, they kept with the fats, and they kept with the thing that they've been taught the most as far as what the body needs, high-protein, high-fat. So they kept with the meat, but they got some results for a little while. Mono-eating can give you results, even when it's something not great. Eventually, all the fat from the meat catches up to them, because now they're on just a meat diet, meat diet only, and that catches up because they need calories, they need some type of fuel, and you can't get that from a piece of meat because there's not enough glucose in that piece of meat. There's only a little bit. So then they start hitting the wall after about three months, and they decide to bring in more meat, so they're eating more of it. Now they're getting bloated. They can't go to bathroom good. They're feeling kind of sick. They have no vegetables or leafy greens in their diet, and now they hit a wall. Now they don't eat at all, and they're doing this thing where they don't mono-eat all day. They take a day off. The next day, they fill themselves up with meat, and they mono-eat the meat. Next day, they don't eat, and now they're every other day, and they're losing their strength and losing their energy. Then they find that they have to eat every day to some degree, so they do the intermittent fasting, but they only use their meat. They don't eat all day, and they have a whole bunch of meat at night, one meal a day. Eventually, that doesn't work anymore either, that it's back to the old drawing board, which means a binge eventually happens of other foods. They're with a friend somewhere, they're out getting something to eat, they're not sticking to their diet in that moment, and they just lose it, and they eat about five slices of pizza, and on their way home, they're like, I'm going to get right back to the drawing board. I'm going to get right back to eating my mono meat. That's when I felt the best I remember. And they're just stuck in the vicious cycle all over again. This is just one example of trying to hack your bloating and your swelling and your digestive discomfort. There's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of examples. And what they are, it's about people coming from a high-fat, high-protein diet, right, with some goodies thrown in the mix too that aren't good, some processed foods, and they're in that realm and they have to crawl out of that realm. And so when they do, they do different approaches. One person might do a keto diet that works for a little while, then they have to intermittent fast and do keto. Another person might just do the carnivore. Another person might do a vegan version or plant-based version. It's all nut butters and nut butters and stuff like that at the end of the day. And then eventually they have to stop eating for a day because they just get so sick. They're still doing all the high-fat diet, high-protein diet, and they don't realize they're just stuck. So everybody then plays these guessing games like, well, I'm not swallowing that much today. I better not eat again. This is working for me for a minute. Let me do this green juice too. Oh, let me try this. And they're just all over the place. Each day is different. 
Each month is different. There's hundreds of variations, but they all have something in common. They all come from a high-fat, high-protein diet, vegan, or animal protein. They also have something else in common. They all have something wrong with their health. So why do they feel better when someone says, well, I just don't eat and I feel better that way? Another person will be like, I'm best when I'm fasted. Another person is like, I'm better at one meal a day. My swelling goes down. Yeah, when I don't eat that much, my swelling goes down. Why is that happening? How come their swelling goes down when they stop eating for a while? Because they stopped burdening their already overburdened liver. And they stopped burdening their already overburdened lymphatic system. They stopped eating. They started cleansing. They gave their liver a break from all the fat they eat. And this is why the swelling starts to go down. What's interesting is all these people stopping their eating and their swelling goes down, they're all eating different diets. All of them. Like some are vegans, some are plant-based, some are keto animal protein, some are just carnivore. It's a whole bunch of different people. Some are just processed foods. Just all they do is eat fast food and processed food. But either way, it's all these different diets. No one's eating the same diet, but when they all stop, they're all like, I feel better. I'm getting the swelling down. I feel a little better because they all got that other thing in common. They're all eating all this fat. So it's all this fat, lard, butter, oil, nut butters, avocado, processed oils. It's all that fat. That's the thing that they got in common. Yeah, they got different diets. They all do it a different way. One person eats eggs in the morning. Another person has eggs in their salad in the afternoon. Another person has eggs for dinner, but they're all doing the eggs. Oh, and if they don't do eggs, then they're doing cheese. If they don't do cheese, then they're doing nuts. Either way, they're all doing the fat. And the high fat, it's burdening the liver. And that's what's in common on that part. Now, someone could only be doing greasy, fried, fatty foods, like processed foods right from a diner, processed foods right from a fast food takeout. And they'll get the same results when they stop eating as someone else does when they eat a vegan diet filled with nut butters. They all stop eating, their swelling goes down, they're all getting the same results, even though their diets are vastly apart. If we never feel good when we're eating, it can cause a lot of confusion. Let's just face it. That's why when some guru out there, like somebody in health that seems like they got it all together, they say, well, I don't eat, food's not important, I eat when I feel like it, I can go days without eating, everybody goes, ooh, that's the answer. That's the panacea. It's this guru guy sits on a mountaintop and he meditates and he goes to all the retreats and everybody knows who he is and he says he doesn't need to eat. He's like a lizard. You just need one meal a week. And this guy's got it all down and I feel sick when I eat. And I tried every healthy diet there ever was, every trendy diet, and I just can't eat. But this guy, this guy here, this guru, he's got it all down. He just doesn't need to eat. That's what I have to gravitate to. That's the mission. And you'll see the inconsistencies out there. People who are into health, they're doing a certain diet. They get a whole bunch of people on board. Everybody's watching them. Six months later, they alter their diet. It's not working. 
but who cares about the six months of people that watched him and tried it too? Like, who cares about them all messing up or being in the dark or not knowing where to go and being lost? Switch gears. So now that same influencer or health professional or guru is now doing a different take, a different diet. So now it's a whole six months more of all that. Watch me now. Watch me now. Here's my morning routine. Here's what I do during the day. I'm on this new thingamajig. I'm taking this. And then everybody follows along. And they're all following along. And it gets all messed up again. And then they shift gears again. But it happens over and over again. You could watch it. Sometimes it's just years and years. If they've been in it long enough, if somebody has been doing this for five years, it's five years of mistakes and different directions. And who pays for it? The people that watched and got invested and they put their health at risk. They invested into what the person was doing. They lost six months or they lost another year, another year of what they could have done for their health. And the reason why it went downhill was because of the consistency. What the health professional they were watching was doing was being inconsistent. It's every change every four months, six months, or every year. And that inconsistency was proof that the professional or the influencer didn't know what they were doing to begin with. It was all hacks and makeshift bait and switch. It was all try this, get quick results, instant gratification. Oh, doesn't work. Sorry, guys. Didn't mean to put you through that in the last six months. Let's start again. But yet, they really don't say sorry to anybody. They just go quiet for a while, reinvent themselves, or act like it never even happened. And then you get new followers, and the old ones just dissipate and fall away. So if we're at the point in everybody's health and where we are today that we all have to just stop eating and that's the only way out and that's the only fix, then something's terribly wrong. Because if we're not eating and we're just starving ourselves all day long or only eating one meal a day and we're not getting the things we need for our brain, our liver, our heart, the rest of our body systems, our nervous system, we're not giving all these different body systems, what they need. We're just skating by, playing around. We need to actually fix problems, like really fix problems, core problems. We need to fix our sick livers. We need to get them cleansed and healed. We need to get them restored. Stagnant, sluggish, overburdened livers. We need to protect our nervous system, get it fed, give our nervous system the feedings it actually needs. We have to make sure that there's ample glucose in our bloodstream, enough glucose to feed our organs. Our brain starts to die in five seconds if it doesn't get sugar. So we have to make sure we have enough glucose so the brain can receive that sugar. Our heart also needs glucose too. Our heart's a muscle. Our heart can thin out. The walls can weaken in the heart. The muscle walls can weaken. We have to make sure there's enough glucose getting to the heart. Our brain also needs electrolytes, trace mineral salts, phytochemical compounds, antioxidants. Our immune system needs to be fed too. It needs the zinc. It needs the minerals. It needs the trace minerals to keep it strong. It needs glucose as well. Our liver needs glucose too. It needs strength to actually cleanse and detox. The liver has its own immune system. The immune cells inside the liver also need to be fed too. Phytochemical compounds from foods, antiviral compounds from foods, getting into these immune cells, making them stronger. 
we can't just run on our own adrenaline all day long because we're keeping food from our stomachs. We're keeping food from our body. We can't just run on adrenaline and caffeine all day long because we're trying to stay on a caffeine high and we're withholding food but using caffeine as a diuretic to try to keep the swelling down. We just can't walk around with our blood sugar low either, bumping into walls, passing out, fainting. A lot of people faint. It's a big thing right now. They're withholding food. The blood sugar goes really low. They get really cranky. They get emotional too without that blood sugar. Or they have a fainting spell. Happens every day. But what do we do? Go back to the food we used to eat? Go back to just processed foods? No. Go back to our healthy keto diets? Uh, it wasn't working before. Go back to our mono-eating meat? Uh, that wasn't working really either. Go back to our vegan diets? Well, why is everybody stopping to eat their vegan diets and withholding food all day? Well, that's not working. What do we do? Hey, is Barry here? Oh, thank you. He's at the table over there? Okay, great. Thanks. Barry! Oh, my God. You look amazing. Your nose. It's half the size. Remember when your nose was all bulbous and it had the veins sticking out of it? Yeah, it was, ugh. It, it's, it looks amazing. Your head. Your head shrunk. Your head shrunk in a good way. It looks like it's not going to explode now. Amazing, Barry. What you been doing? Medical medium? You got cleansed to heal the book? Out of the library? Oh, my God. That's so great. Out of the library. Well, that's awesome. What are you doing? You doing the morning cleanse? Heavy metal detox? Whoa, you did the 369 advanced. Whoa, that's amazing. Anti-bug cleanse you're doing next month? Oh, you customized your own supplement protocol from Cleanse to Heal. That's really smart. Yeah, I know. Because what you had going on was your own thing, and you customized it. Amazing. You look incredible. Awesome. What do you want to eat? Huh. All right. I'll get a steamed potato, too. Let's eat. It's never easy when we don't feel at ease. We feel sluggish inside. Our body doesn't feel at peace. Our confidence in ourselves minimizes as our swelling over time maximizes. And we want to jump out of our skin as the pressure inside of us swells. Some have it so bad, feels like a sin. They never feel level and never feel well. They go through so much, some say it's living hell. The answers out there when we're down and out are lacking. Not eating at all has all the backing. It's understandable to withhold the food we love. When your stomach extends, you wish the problem would end. And the next day begins, the problem's not solved. There's so much more to who we are. There's no way we need to be under this long, uncomfortable spell. It doesn't have to be this way. Over time, it can be resolved. Internally, inside of us, inside our veins, we have fortitude. We have a light. We have a universal connection to up and beyond. We have a deep healing well. What we truly go through only God really knows. Our heart 
is pumping, our bloodstream is running. The blood and fluid is living proof that our unrelenting spiritual and physical strength will prevail and overcome. We don't have to fear our food. We don't have to be scared of a food run. It's not our fault. We should be allowed to eat what we want, but instead, all of a sudden, the carpet is pulled out from under us and we go down holding a cinnamon bun. Original published medical medium information gets stolen and poached by podcast doctors, social media doctors, influencers, and medical clinics. Medical medium information has never yet been proven wrong by medical science and research. Instead, the opposite, only proven right and then taken from medical medium published material and used in the conventional and alternative health communities. Medical medium information continually sets the stage for medical science to understand chronic illness better. If you choose to share or use the original, unique content from the medical medium podcast, books, or medical medium social media, please cite where this information comes from so others who see and learn of this information have a chance to know where it all originates, to give them an opportunity to heal so they don't end up losing years of their life searching for answers like so many have before them. The medical medium information here on this podcast doesn't come from broken science, interest groups, medical funding with strings attached, botched research, lobbyists, internal kickbacks, persuaded belief systems, private panels of influencers, health field payoffs, trendy traps, or gathered bits and pieces of gimmicky confusion. Because chronic illness is exploding like never before in our modern day history, it takes a greater force than us down here. It takes a helping hand from above. Medical medium information has street cred. It's an organic movement of countless people around the world healing, more healing stories of real people not being paid to tell their life-changing experiences of rising out of the ashes of sickness and entering into the light of full recovery, getting their lives back and finally healing when nothing else in the world of health could move the needle and get them better. The information on this podcast is not man-made. It comes from above, from a higher source. Whatever you believe in, whether God, the universe, the light, or the creator, or if you believe in nothing at all, that we're just floating through space together on this rock. Know that the information you hear on this podcast is separate from all the other noise out there. It comes from a different place, a pure, untampered with, advanced, clean, uncorrupted, original, primary source, a higher source, spirit of compassion.